0: Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, exactly the kind of motivation you need to start another week. The original life is too short guy, Scott White, shares strategies from his new book to make every day the best day ever. Also this morning, Northwest Ohio's regional economy got a big boost on Friday when General Motors announced a $55 million investment in its powertrain facility in Defiance which includes upgrades to support the company's future EV technologies. And research shows that most people give up on their New Year's resolutions by the third week of January, so we have one way to get your weight loss and fitness goals back on track. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, January 23rd, 2023. 56 days until spring, so... In case you want to count it down with the uh, weather this morning. So this, I thought, was a kind of interesting uh, story on the uh, Newswire this morning. The person who bought the winning ticket in that huge Mega Millions jackpot earlier this month has still... Not come forward to claim the prize. Remember, there was one winning ticket sold in that 1.35 billion dollar Mega Millions uh, jackpot on January 13th. The winning ticket was sold at Hometown Gas and Grill in Maine, and um, the uh, winner in in the state of Maine, the winner can claim the prize anonymously. They do not have to make their identity public. In the state of Maine, um, the winner could also be represented by a trust or represented by an attorney. Uh, the possibility exists that the ticket was lost and will never be claimed. It says here. Can you imagine if you purchased a ticket and then lost it, and you may forever wonder if yours was the the winning ticket? Wow, I mean, anybody who purchased their ticket in Maine and lost it is probably now hoping that somebody else claims the prize because I would hate to think that maybe I would be the one. But anyway, I thought this was kind of interesting. The uh, winnings have to be claimed within a year, but they say the store that sold the winning ticket will receive $50,000 whether the jackpot is claimed or not. And I thought that was uh, really interesting because (laughs) in true American fashion, the store, the The one that did all the work selling the ticket and all of that uh, gets 50 grand and the winner gets 1.35 billion. I'm just saying that's kind of a (laughs) one that did all the work gets 50,000. Somebody get 1.35 billion. Uh, I bring this up because the Powerball jackpot is getting bigger. Uh, No one picked all six numbers in Saturday's drawing, and that means tonight's jackpot in the Powerball Will be worth a half a billion dollars, 502 million to be specific. So the Powerball jackpot is growing just so you are aware. By the way, speaking of uh, gambling, this I thought was uh, kind of interesting. Two brothers in Minnesota have been accused of running a gambling scheme on TikTok. Uh, In various casinos in the state of Minnesota, the Alcohol and Gambling Enforcement Division there in Minnesota is investigating claims that the brothers were collecting fees for playing slot machines on behalf of their TikTok viewers. So people would pay them to go to the casinos and play the slot machines on their behalf. Sounds like a great, great idea, right? A little money making scheme. Of course, they were keeping a little money off the top, and you know, skimming a little, you know, a commission, uh, as it were, off the top. Well, it turns out Minnesota law prohibits a person from placing bets on someone else's behalf. You can't do that. Uh, the men allegedly used money apps to collect subscription fees and twenty five dollars for every one hundred dollars deposited to play the slot machines they then streamed the slot machines live as they were playing and uh, that's how they operated their business i guess we call this a business a business venture Uh, but it is a no-no court filings claim they ran the operation at two casinos and video highlights on tiktok show that they did hit a fifteen thousand dollar jackpot back in december uh, officials with the American Gaming Association said this was a new one. They have never heard of somebody doing something like this. Before. Interesting. If you had the idea of doing that, don't. Because it's illegal. At least in Minnesota. I would imagine is probably illegal in most places. Because you'd be bookmaking uh, illegally. And so you can't do that. So, no file that under the category of seemed like a good idea at the time. This is kind of an eyebrow razor. I saw this on the uh, newswire and I thought, how are they going to enforce this? This is the question that I have. Here's the story. The state of New York wants to, is this the state of New York or the city of the city of New York? I'm sorry. The city of New York wants to ban restaurants from handing out utensils and condiment packs in takeout and delivery orders, unless they are specifically requested by the customer. So, no salt or ketchup, no sporks <laughs> in, your, uh, in your takeout or uh, delivery order, unless requested by the customer. I can see that, especially in a delivery order. If they're delivering it to your home, presumably you have condiments and utensils in your home. Um, takeout orders would be different because you don't know if you're gonna they're gonna eat it at home or someplace where they will need but anyway the new law is uh, that they will not be allowed to hand out utensils and condiment packets for takeout or delivery orders. The city council approved the so-called skip the stuff bill which aims to reduce plastic waste and help the environment because a lot of those things end up getting thrown away, not used and thrown away, just discarded. So if Mayor Adams signs the bill, it would go into effect in six months. There is a grace period uh, until July of next year rolls around. Uh, Businesses caught violating the measure could be fined up to $400. But again, here's my question. How are they going to enforce it? I mean, think about this. Presumably, they are handing you your order. The restaurant's not going to turn themselves in unless you turn them in. What, are they going to have cops at every drive through window? Let me inspect that to-go order there. What is it? You know? Uh, I just, I can't, I, do, I don't know how they're going to enforce it. I guess that's what they're uh relying on is people who receive the order looking inside as, hey, I got utensils, I got a spork, and I'm not supposed to. I'm going to call the news. Anyway. Uh, A couple of other uh, items, things worth knowing. Interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. You may notice an increased cost at your local post office beginning today. The USPS has bumped up the cost of a first-class forever stamp from $0.60 cents to $0.63. Cents. I know what you're thinking. You probably, I probably should have told you this on Friday. The price was going up so you could stock up. Uh, but the uh, cost of a first-class forever stamp is now $0.63, cents up from $0.60. Cents. Other price hikes include the cost of sending a domestic postcard goes up to $0.48 cents from $0.44. Cents. An international postcard goes from $1.40 to $1.45, and the fee for certified mail has gone from $4 to $4.15. Officials say the increases are part of a plan to bring financial stability to the Postal Service, and they go on to say that customers can expect to begin seeing price hikes twice a year moving forward. So this is not the last time... You have heard from the post office this year. Every six months. Wow. Twice a year. And finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, a new snack combo combo that you did not know you needed. This is all kinds of awesome. Um, The snacks are cinnamon toast crunch bugles. General Mills has launched Cinnamon Toast Crunch Bugles, which contains Cine dust sprinkled over each cone-shaped snack. The new offering is said to combine the best of salty and sweet with a delectable, crispy crunch. Uh, the product is now available exclusively at convenience stores for a suggested retail price of $2.99 a bag. Um... Cinnamon Toast Crunch, introduced in 1984, Bugles, date back to 1964. It's amazing that it has taken this long to put the two together. And I'm thinking this is especially, uh, this would be especially popular in states where recreational marijuana is legal. You know, (laughs) get a little bit of the munchies. There you go. So, uh, there you have it, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started.
1: WFIN News, I'm Matt Demcheck. Your WTOL 11 weather. Mostly cloudy today, high 35. Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 30. The Finley Police Department says a driver and a passenger fled the scene after being involved in an injury crash. The crash between two SUVs happened on Saturday night at West Trenton Avenue and Bolton Street. Police say two people in one of the SUVs fled the scene on foot and two people in the other SUV were injured with one treated at the scene and the other taken to Blanchard Valley Hospital for serious injuries. Get more on the crash on our website. A trial is getting underway in Cincinnati over an alleged $60 million bribery scheme involving the former Speaker of the Ohio House.
2: Prosecutors allege former Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder and four other individuals accepted bribes from First Energy, which helped pave
3: the path to pass House Bill 6. And that bill provided a $1 billion bailout that saved two Ohio nuclear plants once owned by a First Energy subsidiary.
1: ONN's Amy Steigerwald reporting that Householder and former Ohio GOP Chair Matt Borges both maintain their innocence. The City of Finley is seeking public comment on some proposed changes to its zoning code.
3: The City of Finley is working to uh, propose a zoning code update, and with that, uh, before moving forward with official committee discussion and uh, any potential ordinance, we wanted to put it out for public comment so that we could work through any bugs.
1: Mayor Christina Mearn says the city has made the summary document and the full language of the updated zoning code available for review, and we have links to both on our website. One of Ohio's most popular state parks is getting national attention.
2: Hocking Hills State Park is becoming the place to be. There's a new study out on state parks, and it ranks Hocking Hills number six in growing popularity. Research from Travel Lens, which is a publication, shows that searches for the state park in Logan have increased by more than 70%. Hocking Hills open to visitors year-round camping, hiking trails, and cabins. I'm Tracy Townsend.
1: Hocking Hills State Park is a state park in the Hocking Hills region of Hocking County, Ohio, in south-central Ohio. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchak for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, our next
0: guest is on a mission to make the world happier one smile at a time. With his endless energy, Scott White motivates and inspires everyone he meets to focus on happiness, gratefulness, and positivity. His new book is The Life is Too Short, Guy, Strategies to Make Every Day the Best Day Ever. And Scott... Boy, oh boy, I know you know you are opening yourself up to uh, all sorts of uh, derision from cynics everywhere, right? Well, Chris, I think that's part of the reason I'm doing it. It's, <laughs> it's to a certain degree, I question how can you, what's the controversy about being happy?
2: I, I'm sure you can doubt it, but we can all use a little bit more happiness. In our I,
0: I get the feeling that you've heard all of the jokes, but you just don't care. Why, why, why did you write this book?
2: For many years, I've been a very positive, happy, grateful, high energy person. And people have said to me, boy, I wish I could bottle up some of that energy, some of that (laughs) attitude and share it with others. And then during... During COVID, I, I really self-reflected, and I, I look around, I see we're dealing with COVID, I see we're dealing with um, political divide in the U.S., I see we're dealing with war in Europe, you can keep going through the litany of things you're dealing with, and yeah. you know, I, I stumbled across one study that just blew my mind, University of Chicago put out a study that said Americans are more unhappy than they've been in the last 50 years, last half century. Yeah, I'm like, wow, wait a second, we live in the greatest country in the world, and the greatest time and human civilization, and Americans are more unhappy than they've been in 50 years, it's time for me to take some of that bottled up energy, positivity, happiness, gratefulness, and bring it to the world through this book.
0: And again, you know, there's an awful lot of cynicism in the world today, and so there are probably more than a few people who say there is no way that this person can possibly be this happy all the time. And I would guess that those are the types of people who maybe should be the first to read the book.
2: No question. And look, we all have setbacks. We all have disappointments. I do too. Have had plenty, have had plenty of of uh the proverbial kick in the teeth. But how you react to that, what your attitude is, what your perspective is, that's what I'm trying to encourage people. Every minute is not the greatest minute. I understand that and every day is not gonna be the best day. But what I want people to do is wake up every morning and think, you know what? I got a chance to make today the best day ever. And here are some of the things I need to do proactively, which, by the way, isn't that hard to be happier, to live a happier life. And like I said at the outset, who wouldn't want to be happier?
0: Well, it, it, that's a pretty easy question to answer. Um, and I want to get to some of the uh, some of the principles as some examples that folks can maybe uh, start to put into practice here in just a moment. But I'm wondering wondering here, is this something that? comes naturally to you that has always come naturally to you or is this a philosophy that you had to develop and sell yourself on i'd say it's been
2: an evolution i don't think i was born as the happiest person in the world and i think over time i look i've always been happy but i think you learn from from major life events and mine was evolutionary i think there were probably four major events in my life that certainly open my eyes to life is too short live in the moment you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring when I was 10 years old my father had a heart attack and that was my first sort of Mm. uh, I guess introduction so to speak or eye-opening epiphany of wow yeah this this comes pretty close to home and and he did survive and and went on to live many years past that and then You know, not long after, I guess, you know, a few years after that, I I witnessed firsthand up close and personal the event of 9-11. I was in Manhattan that day. I walked by the World Trade Center probably 20 minutes before the first plane crashed into the building. I watched the second plane crash in, and there's no doubt that's an eye-opener. And then, you know, as life went on, I lost both my mom and my dad. Those were probably four major moments in my life that said, you know what? Life's too short, minutes matter, make the most of everyone. Why focus? Why why use energy and minutes on negativity when you could use that same energy and minutes on positivity?
0: So talk about then some of the key principles that you share from the book that you know people can start to put into practice.
2: Sure. So there's ten principles in the book. I, I think I'll share a few of the first. The the foundational, most important one is attitude is everything, the power of positivity. You have the ability through through the lens through which you view the world to live a happier life. And and the tool I give people here to think about, and, and I'll even start it with you, Chris, I'll say, what was your first thought when you woke up this morning? <laughs> uh,
0: you know what? I probably like everyone else, the first thing that goes through my mind is what do I really have to go to work again today? <laughs> you know, you especially the go. hour that I get up in the morning. Uh, yeah, that's probably the first thing that uh, rolls through my mind, honestly. So I
2: ask all your listeners to think about what was their first thought. and I'm guessing a lot will react similar to you. Like, I'm actually not sure. I didn't really think about it. But if I did, it was probably, wow, it's cold, it's dark, it's January. Yeah. And- uh, I, I gotta go to work, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Why set yourself up for that? You have the ability to open your eyes and, and say, wow, I'm in a very comfortable bed with a roof over my head. Maybe sleeping next to someone I love, maybe not. Um, I have the ability to go down and make myself breakfast. I have the ability to walk physically. I have the ability to get in my car or whatever my mode of transportation is to go to a job. Um, I am grateful to have a job, by the way, look at that. I just went through, what, about 12 seconds, and I rattled off 15 things that I'm happy and grateful for. I challenge readers to start their day with a clear, positive set of glasses. Put on those rose-colored glasses and start your day right. Why would you start from uh, what I call blurry lenses and spend the rest of the day digging out when you can set the tone right? I realize the day is going to have twists and turns, and it won't go exactly as you want it. Mm -hmm. Set yourself up right. The next principle I talk about is choose your attitude and own it. Most people don't realize how much of their attitude they can control. I ask people all the time, you know, how much of your, your happiness do you think is tied to your circumstances, whether it's your, your job, your car, your house, your, um, your marriage, maybe things that aren't going well, you're, you're dealing with sickness, you're dealing with um, death of somebody, how much of your happiness is tied to that? And people are shocked when I tell them it's been empir- empirically proven that only 10% your happiness is tied to your circumstances wow all right so so what about the rest of the 90% well 50% is tied to your genetic makeup to a certain degree you are predisposed to different levels of happiness doesn't mean extreme happiness or extreme sadness, but some level in between okay Mm -hmm. so you take the 50% that is in your genetic code you take the 10% based on your circumstances that means 40% 40% of your happiness you control through your attitude how you view the world And I I empower people and call up people today's the day. As you're listening to this right now, think about your perspective, your attitude, how you view the world, and today's the day to make some of those changes.
0: It is a great place to start. Okay, so uh, I'm buying into this, but I want to ask you real quickly in in 30 seconds or less, you mentioned that term, rose-colored glasses. Why is it that we are so conditioned to think of seeing the world through rose-colored glasses is such a bad thing?
2: Well, I think there's two reasons. One, um, evolutionarily, we are predisposed to, to have our guard up. If you think about society hundreds and thousands of years ago, survival of the fittest, right? You're, you're hoping not to be eaten by that tiger or what have you. So we're generally looking at the world through a negative lens. Then you layer on what today I, I sort of refer to, as the, the maddening social media chaos where we watch the world around us. We think everything else is so wonderful, so on and so forth. We all of a sudden then kind of have a, a negative connotation. I want people to step out of that world and that lens and realize, you know what? My life is amazing. I don't care about what everyone else is posting about social media. I'm grateful to be alive, to be talking to you, to be on this show, to have written a book. So I can just keep going through the litany of things I'm grateful for.
0: He is Scott White, the author of The Life is Too Short, Guys, Strategies to Make Every Day the Best Day Ever. Scott, first of all, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, Before we let you go, where do folks get more information about the book? So the book can be
2: purchased directly on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or wherever you buy books, including your local retail store. If the retailer doesn't have it, ask them to order it. Or you can get more information about me, the book, my speaking business, so on and so forth at LifeIsTooShortGuy.com. Thank you, Chris. Have a wonderful day.
0: Some very good news for the regional economy in Northwest Ohio on Friday when General Motors... Announced plans to invest nearly a billion dollars in four U.S. manufacturing sites, among them the powertrain facility in Defiance, which will receive some $55 million in upgrades. Right after that news was made public on Friday, we spoke with GM Vice President of North American Manufacturing, Mike Trevaro. I'm sure that you can explain better than I can exactly what these investments will entail and how the defiance facility fits into the overall plan. So kind of lay this out for us here. Sure.
4: Uh, of the $55 million, 47 of it is in regards to the small block V8 engine plant that we just announced today was going into Flint Engine with an investment of a little over 500 and Seventy nine million dollars. Well, this will help to build uh, blocks and for us for that engine. And then we also have eight million dollars to build a casting development cell for our uh, defiance, which helps support our EV strategy.
0: And from my initial take on this, one of the most exciting things is to see uh, kind of the diversification of this facility in the sense of not just supporting the production of those uh, V8 engine components, but also the components for EVs, which, as everyone knows, is such a very big part of the future of automotive powertrain technology.
4: yes yeah, that's really Defiance, Ohio, up in a great spot. Uh, they're going to build these uh, blocks and components for us which supports uh, much of our truck and SUV uh, ICE vehicles, which uh, we, we look to dominate you know, the, the, marketing, uh, the market in those, as well as our transition to EV. And it sets Defiance playing both a key role in our ICE as well as stepping into what the future looks like in EV. And as that transition takes place, we'll be able to modulate Defiance Ohio accordingly, so that it can support either one and both at the same time.
0: Why this plant specifically? Uh, Kind of explain, if you could, what it is about the Defiance operations that made this the logical site for these investments. One, it starts with the people at Defiance Ohio,
4: both the leadership team as well as the workforce. They're highly skilled. They've got lots of experience in the casting and foundry kinds of activities. And this is just a natural place for us to consider in doing it. I mean, we have boundaries across the world, but General Motors is very interested in investing in the United States in manufacturing, and Defiance, Ohio, is a great place to do that.
0: Does this mean that there will be additional jobs coming to the facility, or from a labor standpoint, is this more about maintaining the exis- existing level of employment? It's more
4: about maintaining the existing employment and especially as we talk about uh, the transition to EV. and However that accelerates or, uh, or happens, we'll be able to modulate the facility accordingly and be able to maintain the current workforce.
0: This comes, as some will remember, less than three years after the company invested $32 million in the Defiance facility. What does that say about the... Ah, uh, this particular plant's place sort of within uh, General Motors uh, overall operations. I think it looks it reflects
4: very well on Defiance, Ohio, in regards to uh, both supporting the the v eight, the new generation v eight that we talked about, as well as uh, looking into uh, uh, EV. So I think it it sets them up very well. the skill the skill and experience of the incredible workforce there. Um, is an affirmation of the enduring trust and loyalty our customers have in our products and defiance supports it accordingly.
0: were those two investments related in any way the uh, late uh, 2020 the 32 million we referenced in uh, late 2020 uh, and and these that are being uh, these investments being announced now and did those upgrades in 2020 kind of pave the way for what's happening now uh, Not necessarily they're actually for other products that they're supporting this investment is
4: specifically for a new six generation, small block V eight engine plant that we're going to produce in Flint um, is what the 47 million is for mm-hmm. the 8 million is for the multiple EV entries we have coming into the market um, is where the casting work will be for that. So,
0: and, and so what I would
4: say it probably just expands their portfolio more than it yeah. uh, builds on what they already have.
0: So what is the timeline for these investments? I mean, clearly these are advancements that you want to get into General Motors vehicles as quickly as possible. When will the manufacturing of these components at Defiance be online, if you will?
4: And so each of the plants, uh, the four that we talked about today, uh, will all be starting the work uh, very soon. Each of them has a little bit of a different start line uh, for it because of the long lead uh, kind of work associated Um, But you'll see things happen in Defiance, Ohio, uh, very shortly.
0: Again, General Motors Vice President of North America Manufacturing, Mike Trevorrow, with us this morning. Mr. Trevorrow, thanks very much for uh, taking the time uh, this morning. Again, exciting news for Northwest Ohio. We appreciate you taking the time.
4: Chris, thank you, and congratulations to the folks in Defiance. Um, We're proud of them and look forward to how they're going to contribute for us in the future.
0: Thank you. Again, as we mentioned, some very good news for the regional economy in Northwest Ohio. And I thought it was uh, really interesting, the reaction uh, to that announcement on Friday. Obviously, part of it is very exciting because of the uh, diversification, uh, getting into providing electric uh, vehicle components, powertrain components, EV components, uh, which is clearly the future but also uh, a lot of gearheads were very excited about the announcement of a new uh, small black V8 so uh, not we're not anywhere close to being done with the idea of internal combustion engines which was uh, exciting news for some as well but good news all the way around especially for the uh, folks in defiance county you can learn more at our webpage go to goodmornings.net
4: we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: A Florida woman had to be rescued from a storm drain again last week. <laughs> Del- Delray Beach police said they responded to a call of someone possibly in distress while swimming in a canal near Lindell Boulevard in Delray Beach. When officers asked the woman if she needed help, police say she ignored them and climbed into a storm uh, storm drain pipe rescue crews reported that 43-year-old Lindsay Kennedy kept crawling further into the pipe as rescuers tried to coax her out she kept crawling further in finally firefighters were able to contain her between two sections of the pipe <laughs> between two uh, storm drains on different streets they they had her they had her surrounded And uh, that's when they finally fished her out. What is odd about this, I mean, odder than her trying to avoid being rescued from the storm drain, this is the third time in the past two years that she's done something like this. Once in March of 2021, they're in Delray Beach. And then two months later, in Grand Prairie, Texas, she did the same thing. And, And now this latest incident. She suffered minor injuries and was taken to a nearby hospital for evaluation. (laughs) I I would think so. Three times in two years. All right, then. Speaking of odd encounters with police in Nebraska, uh, the highway patrol finally uh, pulled over. A speeding vehicle, after attempting to outdrive the highway patrol, a driver and passenger were placed under arrest. Troopers reported finding a small gun and marijuana in the car. Uh, what makes this story particularly interesting and eyebrow-raising? The driver was age 13. The passenger was age 11. Wow. Leading cops on a high-speed chase with a gun and marijuana in the car. Aged 13 and 11, the two kids reportedly from Colorado and engaged in a high-speed chase that ensued for 15 minutes and topped out at 100 miles an hour before highway patrol officers brought the vehicle to a halt and placed the two kids into protective custody. Wow. That is crazy. All kinds of crazy. Elsewhere in the broken news this morning, uh, Josiah, Josiah Vargas Josiah Vargas had an interesting encounter at his local McDonald's restaurant the other day. He pulled into the drive-thru to order breakfast and was handed a bag of cash instead. Mr. Vargas was expecting a breakfast sandwich instead he received several Ziploc baggies filled with money. As it turns out, the $5,000 he was given was supposed to be deposited into the bank, not handed out in place of a breakfast order. Uh, Mr. Vargas, being the honest person that he is, returned the cash, and the employees thanked him profusely. In fact, they've given him three free meals for a month and $200 cash. Now, he's not infallibly honest before being a good Samaritan like any normal human. Mr. Vargas said it crossed his mind just to take the money and run. But ultimately, when you're hungry, sometimes no amount of money is a substitute for a tasty sausage McMuffin. (laughs) I just love that. No amount of money is a substitute for it. Sausage McMuffin when you're hungry for breakfast. I know that feeling. I know that feeling. <laughs> uh, more of the broken news uh, this morning. The Cumberland Police Department in Rhode Island is, uh, is actually complying with a request from a young citizen. Uh, they're in the uh, town of Cumberland. Uh, little detective sent in an Oreo cookie and some carrot sticks that she suspects were partially eaten by Santa Claus last month, <laughs> and, she, and the the uh, person who sent this uh, who sent them in, the uh, young lady that sent it in, uh, asked for a DNA test to be performed. <laughs> uh, the uh, chief of police Matthew Benson says this young lady obviously has a keen sense for truth and in the investigative process, and did a tremendous job. Preserving her evidence for submission, and so they're going to uh, test. <laughs> they're going to test for DNA. The department also uh, already uncovered additional evidence of Santa in the area this past Christmas Eve slash early Christmas Day. They provided uh, the uh, young detective with a photo of a deer in the neighborhood uh, late to Christmas Eve. So <laughs> there is some evidence. That Santa was there. DNA tests are pending. (laughs) I love it. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this a feel-good story out of Louisville, Kentucky. After being missing for three months, an escaped snake that belonged to a science classroom uh, in... And I'm not sure... It's a middle school there in Louisville, uh, Kentucky. I don't have the name of the school. But the snake in the science classroom had gone missing for three months. But now the snake has been found. Not too far from home. Gummy Worm, the name of the snake, Gummy Worm, somehow managed to survive after breaking free from her terrarium uh, after the teacher said he didn't put the lid on tight enough. A 12-year-old student found the missing snake under a sink in the classroom after returning from winter break and the teacher said that Gummy Worm's home has now been reinforced with a more heavy-duty lid. <laughs> what kind of snake is this? I'm just wondering. It just says a snake. It doesn't, uh, Um, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> it all's well that ends well there. Uh, it was in the classroom the whole time. That was a little creepy. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report, an update of the odd and unusual side of the news. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And yet another
2: major brand just announced
0: is
4: halting all social media advertising.
0: The
2: two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth truth. And- And trust, they are the two most precious commodities for all brands big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth
0: using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on.
1: This message provided by WFIN.
0: And now, your daily download the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You remember last week when we mentioned that for the first time ever, f- fewer than 50% of Americans. ...say that the American healthcare system is good. Fewer than half of Americans have a positive view of the U.S. healthcare system. As a matter of fact, one in five, something like 21%, say that the U.S. healthcare system is poor. And we wondered... Um, kind of wondered aloud if maybe that was because not so much of the care that people receive, but the uh, endless bills and the cost of it and all of that leads to people's perception of the healthcare system. Well, maybe not, because according to researchers at the National Center for Health Statistics, the number of Americans who had trouble paying medical bills actually went down during the pandemic. Funds from the American Rescue Plan and other relief programs uh, are credited with that. 10.8% of Americans in 2021 said they had trouble covering their medical bills that year, which was down from 14% in 2019. Overall, the statistics follow an overall downward trend since 2011, the year after the Affordable Care Act was passed, incidentally. In 2011, about 20% of Americans were in families having problems paying their medical bills, The American Rescue Plan expanded access to insurance by expanding COBRA coverage, also enacted uh, expanded Medicaid access. Lower demand for medical services could also be a factor, they say, because a lot of people avoided doctor visits entirely during the course of the pandemic. You don't go to the doctor, you don't have a doctor bill. So interesting statistics there that maybe uh, are a bit surprising. (laughs) As we all know, research shows that by the third week of January, most of us have already given up on our New Year's resolutions. And you look at the calendar. Yep. So, joining us this morning to talk about getting back on track to reach your weight loss goal is Dr. Laura Garcia, clinical psychologist and director of product research for the weight loss platform Found. And Dr. Garcia, this is always one of the most popular resolutions and one of the most common broken resolutions. What is the psychology surrounding why people can't seem to sustain those weight loss-related New Year's resolutions?
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a universal experience, and there are three major reasons why that happens. I think the first one is that we have unrealistic goals. Or we often think about goals that are two to four years into the future. So it may be discouraging if we don't see any immediate progress. Rather, we can break down our goals into smaller steps, smaller goals that we can achieve on a weekly or even monthly basis so that we are constantly seeing progress and getting that sense of accomplishment. Second, we often focus on our weight loss goals so much that we forget about the behaviors that can lead us there. So our goal really should be to form healthy habits and make sure that they're enjoyable, easy to maintain over time so that we can get sustainable gains.
0: So... We, we, oh, I'm um, sorry. Go right I'll, ahead. No, I was
3: going to say that try not to do it alone. Uh, it's better to have a community of people who can help you stay accountable.
0: So how do folks then sort of get back on the horse? Again, we're, we're talking about... <laughs> And it strikes me maybe we uh, get a a little bit ahead of ourselves here. We're talking about what people maybe should have done right out of the gate. uh, And maybe these are things to keep in mind uh, moving forward. But for those who made a goal, have kind of fallen off the horse now, how do we get back up? Uh, once you do slip up, because it is inevitable that at some point you're going to slip up. I guess knowing you're not alone is one thing that can help.
3: Yeah, the other piece is being compassionate towards yourself, Not trying not to beat yourself up, because mistakes are part of the journey. And in fact, we can look at those uh, successes, because now we're learning what doesn't work for us. And how do we do that? We do that by reflecting on what led to the slip-up, uh, were we feeling stressed or was the chocolate just too easy to get so understanding why we fail can help us come up with strategies to prevent those events in the future and like you're saying the role of community and having a resource uh, to support us is very important this is why a program like found can help a lot of people because it provides them with the resources to tackle such a difficult experience. Uh, with others and not on
0: their own. So using that as an example of one thing that can be helpful, uh, talk a little bit about uh, applying all of this advice that you're giving, all of these suggestions and these tips. Uh, Explain how you apply that then uh, to the best approach for long-term weight loss and how uh, your program can help with that.
3: Yeah, I think, I think what's important is understanding that there are many factors outside of our control that impact our weight, uh, including our biology, access to food, medical history, and even the people around us. So really what we need is a program that's comprehensive and help us tackle each of these uh, or as many of these as we can. So that's exactly what found us. When it designs personalized programs for people it has an integrative approach and found gives access to medications to tackle biology lifestyle programs in focuses like nutrition movement and sleep and it gives people access to a community of doctors experts and peers who can be very supportive um, in fact what we see is that people who are through, who lose weight through found lose more weight than people who only focus on medication in clinical trials. So having a resource um, that reduces the burden of trying, trying to do all these things and tackle all these factors alone is very helpful for long-term success.
0: Again, uh, Dr. Laura Garcia is clinical psychologist, director of product research for the uh, product research for the weight loss platform Found, talking about uh, getting back on the horse, as it were, uh, if you have been struggling with those weight loss uh, resolutions here uh, into this uh, third, fourth week of January when so many of us start to uh, set those aside. Uh, Dr. Garcia, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Real quickly, where do folks learn more?
3: Yeah, they can go to joinfound.com and learn more and take our health assessment to see if that might be the right program
0: for them. Dr. Garcia, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. And with that, we finish up our podcast this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Mayor Christina Mearn will be with us to recap the U.S. Conference of Mayors gathering in Washington, D.C., including a visit to the White House for a meeting with President Biden. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.